are back on this Saturday morning, Memorial Weekend. Welcome, everybody, back to uh, Inside the Outdoors. Hope you're having a start of a great weekend, and you're going to get at least until Monday, I hope. And who knows, maybe you can expand it a little bit. Maybe you got started a little bit early, got the uh, the three-day weekend on Friday and just expand it to four days. There's plenty to do this weekend, and our weather is hopefully turning a little bit better. It looks like it's already better than it was at least the early point, uh, point in this last week. Man, talk about strange, strange times, isn't it? I don't know about you, but I just had a neighbor as I came through the neighborhood last week, and I saw some guy building a boat. Now, I don't know what that says, but all I know is that uh, it wasn't a bad idea when we got that much water in this last given week. So, uh, we started uh, talking the show about about fishing and getting out and doing some of the things that that you might want to do. And we got an interesting story that came up. Oh, I found out about this about a week ago. Uh, really an interesting story with our kids. You know, school is obviously a great place to get all kinds of education. But from an outdoors standpoint, to have the ability to learn with hands-on in the outdoors, it just doesn't get any better than in our schools. And um, a program in conjunction with Trout Unlimited and the school districts around the state and the Division of Wildlife Resources in a uh, Trout in the Classroom classroom program and what it is is the opportunity for kids with the uh, help of some very very great teachers who take a lot of time and a lot of effort with our kids to have them raising trout in the classroom and then planting those trout in the wild and uh, just a wonderful opportunity for the kids to not only uh, learn about the book learning side of things with trout in the outdoors but also uh, to able being able to do it themselves and so joining me this morning is Barbara Antonetti who is a uh, uh, an elementary school teacher or I, Barbara maybe are you junior high teachers I, I, I teach fourth grade okay that's what I thought I, I Mm -hmm. But, you know, it's one of those things. It's early in the morning for me to get up and figure things out. So, uh, (laughs) Barbara, thanks for joining me, first of all. But you have been involved for years with this Trout in the Classroom program. And uh, and you've just finished a little while ago the planting for this year. Talk to me a little bit about the about this whole program of Trout in the Classroom and and how it works from where you get the trout, how long it takes to raise them until plantable size, and then how you logistically go about about putting those into waters around the state. Okay. Um, I teach at Neil Armstrong Academy in West Valley, and we've been doing this for six years since the first year we were open, and we were one of the first schools to do it. Um, what happens is First year was in December, but since then it's been January because we have Christmas break or the holiday break, and leaving the fish along makes us stress out. But what we do is the DWR, in conjunction with a volunteer from Trout Unlimited, come to our school and deliver trout eggs to us. And they're just little teeny tiny balls. They're kind of salmon colored with little eyes that you can see. And we have them in a special net in the tank. And the tank is a 50-gallon tank. We used to get 200 eggs this year. We got, I don't know about, I think we got, sorry, I think we got 200 this year. We used to get more than that. And this year we had our best year ever with the trout, releasing more than 100. But they live in this little nest, basically. It's a net that hangs on the tank until they start hatching. And then we let them loose in the water. The water's kept about 52 degrees. And which trout like cold, well oxygenated water. And then we just, you know, change the water, take care of the trout, become trout parents, 
the kids do too. (laughs) (laughs) And on the 10th of May this year, we released our trout in the Sandy Community Pond. And I don't know, it's just fun for the kids and they get to see what trout need to survive. And then it gets them excited about the chance of going fishing. Yeah, it's got to be really a lot of fun. And it's something, it's not, I assume, where you just get the eggs and then forget about them and take them out four months later. I mean, there's, no, it's ongoing, no, they right? They need a lot of care. They need a lot of care. And the first year we did it, we weren't real adept with them. Like, we had all these filters in our tank, and the trout were getting sucked up in the filters, and there was lots <laughs> of sadness, you know? Yeah. And we've learned to put socks on the filters, and we've learned a lot about fish care, basically. And the kids get to test the water. They get to feed them. Um, we had one one year we called Goliath because he was eating all his friends. He was so big. <laughs> and this year, before we released him, our fish started jumping out of the tank. Uh, so how big do they get before you <laughs> teach them? If they, if they don't <laughs> jump out. Crazy. If they don't well, jump they, out. Yeah. I don't know. They were good two, three inches this year. Yeah. They they go to the fry stage. They start as eggs, then they become par, then they become fry. Well, I I assume one of the great things is that some of the kids that you have that actually plant these fish may wind up fishing for them down the line as well with because know, of the community ponds. Neat? Yeah, it's so neat. Yeah, and they were they were sad to see them go into the pond because there were all these pelicans at the pond this oh. year, and they were worried about them <laughs> eating them. But they didn't come over where we dropped the fish into the pond. Well, that's a uh, that's that's kind of a good, I guess, cross section of the ecosystem. The kids can learn more than than just other fish that are predators, but uh, they they expand and look at the pelican base as well. And uh, trust me, we don't like that, and some of the other waters as well. When the pelicans eat those <laughs> bigger fish, it was really a novelty to see those pelicans when they were first here in the state about twenty years ago, and now now they're more trouble, I think, on some waters than they're worth. But it is a good. A good opportunity for them to see how the how the various uh, parts of the ecosystem go together right and one of the things that we talk about a lot is not introducing new species into waterways where uh-huh. i teach we have lots of canals and ponds out here mm-hmm. and we discuss how awful it would be if we just went and put the trout in there because it's not the right environment for them it's not where they naturally are It'd be nice. So the DWR, the DWR tells us where we can release them. Yeah, it would be nice if uh, we've got adult anglers that still need to learn that lesson. There are some people who still haven't figured that one out yet, but that's another another uh, lesson to be learned. So, talk to me. How many kids are involved then, in, basically, in the uh, in the raising of this? How many of your students are involved? Oh, it's all of the fourth grade, and this year we have a little over a hundred fourth graders. Oh. Some years we've had close to one hundred thirty. Okay. So each classroom takes a week at a time, and then we just rotate through the weeks. That's great. And then, do they all get a chance? Do they all get a chance to come uh, stock them with you, or is that something that you kind of earn? That I imagine that's a great payoff. Well, we all went. Um, the The guy from Trout Unlimited put them in the cooler. He caught them for us and put them in a cooler and drove them down and met the school buses down there. Uh, that is great. And well, we released them that way. Well, I know that the yeah the trout in the classroom program is just a great way to I think to involve the kids firsthand hands on opportunity to do that. So six years, I imagine that's got to be a labor of love on your part, or it wouldn't continue. Yes, it's lovely to do, <laughs> and it's good. It's so good for the kids to learn about their environment and how it needs to be cared for and respected. 
So, of course, the, fi- the final question is, are you a fisherman? No, you my don't. husband is. I am not. Okay, good. <laughs> I figured the final, the family had to have some uh, direct involvement with it. I'm sure he's pretty happy with uh, your involvement with it. Then you, you're helping him. He is. He is. Absolutely. Well, I appreciate what you do with the kids. Uh, and I know that throughout the state, this uh, Trout in the Classroom uh, situation is good. It certainly helps the resource, but it's also great from the kids' standpoint. And what they take from it, I'm sure, is at least as much as they as they uh, provide and give. But uh, thanks for your for your efforts and providing these kids. It's a great opportunity for them. Oh, you're welcome. All right, Barbara. Thanks again. Thank you. So, uh, folks uh, out there with the uh, you know the the local. Uh, program there, the urban fisheries that are such a hit around this state and have really helped over the last years because of what's happened as there have become less and less ponds and areas that are open land in our state, unless you live in the rural areas. A lot of kids who live in the built-up areas of the state have to rely on these urban fisheries in order to get out and maybe ride their bikes over, unlike when a lot of us were kids and it was close enough to home. You can't find those so much anymore until the urban fisheries program was expanded about a decade ago, and now they're all over the place. But to stock them and have the kids be part of it, what a terrific opportunity for them. So uh, if you can't get away this weekend and you can't get up in the mountains or you're not going to take a long trip... Think about those urban fisheries. Get your kids out. Remind them that, um, or remind you that they are the next generation for those who can get out. And there's nothing better than taking the kids out and letting them uh, sit by the, uh, the the ponds. Just be careful, folks, because again, and we've talked about it before. Not so much on the ponds as it was with the uh, flowing waters, but a- absolutely the rivers and the streams and things of that nature are so running so high right now. No matter what kind of bodies of water you've got with the kids, please keep a close eye on them this weekend because it is going to be, uh, for the next week or two at least, it's going to be such a, a difficult environment for them. So um, you got to be uh, very careful and make sure they've got those life jackets on. Don't let them get away from you. Uh, but if you are taking them out, even if you're going to the still waters and those urban fisheries, make sure you keep a close watch on them. It can be a great fishery, and it can be a great opportunity for them to uh, enjoy Memorial Weekend and, of course, the remainder of the summer. Well, thanks to my guests, to uh, Scott, to Barbara, uh, to George, to Gary, and most importantly, thanks to you for listening. I uh, hope you have a great weekend out there. Again, enjoy it. Make sure you get out. We'll be talking, obviously, throughout the summer with a lot more of the fishing that's going on as our fisheries continue to expand. And uh, and we'll be back again next Saturday morning. So, again, my thanks to Andy for filling in for the last couple of weeks. My thanks to the guests today. And my thanks, most importantly, to you for listening. Have a terrific and safe weekend, everybody. Be sure and stop in, boaters. Make sure you stop those checkpoints. You don't want to give up your hard-earned money. But more importantly, we don't want to spread those quagga muscles anywhere. Talk to you next Saturday. Until then, have a great one, everybody.